Hello and welcome to How to Be a Better DM, the official podcast of Monsters.Rent. My name is Tanner Wayland, and together we're going to learn about how to prepare the best adventures and environments for our players to enjoy. Uh, today we have a big announcement about Justin. He just had his baby. I, I hope you all congratulate him uh, in, in whatever methods are, are best. A- and basically I'm just really hoping that he and his wife are able to get some sleep in the next few weeks. I, I hear that's not really possible, but uh, here's hoping, right? Uh, in the meantime, you know, we're still going to try our best to be consistent with the regular weekly episodes, but uh, thank you for your patience if we're not able to do that. Uh, but today, you know, leaving Justin uh, to, you know, the new baby, we're going to kind of go back uh, to to the baby of d and <laughs> What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we're going back to basics. Uh, to the very foundational stuff, like babies. There you go. I brought it around. A full, full circle. Um, we're going back to the basics, specifically with the mechanics. I, I mean, I, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Just talk about, you know, the basics of D and D, the basic uh, mechanics, abilities that uh, that really people just take for granted, and they don't question how they use them. And uh, today I'm doing a very simple topic, just to kind of give you an idea of, you know, what I'm hoping to achieve by doing this back to basics um, kind of episode. Uh, so today we're just talking about saving throws. Yep. Saving throws. You heard me right. Uh, those things that you throw at your players uh, at random times whenever they run into a trap or whenever a particularly vicious spell uh, hits them. Uh, so... What do you know about saving throws? Uh, I'm sure most of you know that uh, it's based around the different ability modifiers, right? Uh, you've got you got strength, constitution, wisdom, dexterity, charisma, intelligence. Uh, those are the kinds of saves you can have. You can have a dexterity save if uh, a pit opens up under the rogue and he has to jump out of the way, right? Um, you can have an intelligence save if... Uh, if the paladin gets hit with a spell that, you know, is going to do something really terrible to his mind. These are the kinds of situations that uh, that a player would have to roll a saving throw. Um, or as uh, it's often described, a saving throw happens when a player is trying to resist the effects of something, right? Oftentimes, like I mentioned, it's spells and traps. Uh, it could be, you know, environmental. It could be psychological, uh, as I'm going to get to later. But that that's the ba- that's the uh, meat and potatoes of it. Um, and and your uh, saving throw is often de- well, it's always determined by your ability modifier plus any extra bonus you get, like a class bonus or a, a racial bonus or an equipment bonus, right? Um, so you kind of add that up, and that's that's your saving throw. Of course, on top of that, you also have class proficiencies, right? So like the wizard would be able to add their proficiency bonus uh, on top of intelligence saving throws. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, now, let's. I was talking at the start about uh, taking these basic mechanics for granted and not really getting the most out of them. And I feel like saving throws, saving throws, it's not savings throws, saving throws, <laughs> Uh, those are often 
um, relegated to uh, very particular circumstances, and they don't really add to the story. They're just like a minor stumbling block. When I feel like they could actually be a really good story tool, as well as a really good drama builder. Uh, so just to give you an example, uh, with saving throws, you're going to have opportunities uh, to do it with spells, right? That's a given. Those are going to be really high stakes. Uh, now, some DMs will do this where they'll be like, okay, uh, I hit you with uh, the big bad boss, you know, this witch that you're fighting touches you. I need you to roll saving throw. And then, you know, the person uh, who rolls it is like, oh, I uh, got a 19. And then the DM in, in their head is like, dang it, they succeeded. And then they're like, okay, you seem to be fine. And that's fine and everything, right? I think that that's really great. And sometimes it's kind of curious, you know, to be like, oh, what could have, what could have happened? But I, I've seen DMs, uh, and if you've ever seen, um, you know, some, some of the live plays out there, some DMs really rock at, uh, at building suspense by kind of revealing their cards. They say, hey, it's really important that you don't <laughs> miss the saving throw. Uh, in fact, if you do miss it, your, your character is going to lose an eye, you know, it, do you see how that could react, like do so much more than the other options where you're just like, Oh, it, it appears you're fine. Or the other option still where you're like, Oh dang, you would have lost an eye, but you only tell them after the fact, essentially you had an opportunity to build so much suspense and instead you kind of squandered that a bit. And so when it comes to saving throws, especially where there, there are big consequences, reveal it. Let the player know what's going to happen. It's going to build suspense. And then second, I didn't even mention this. It's going to save you from being the bad guy. Essentially, the player knows what's going to happen. They know like, oh, because of this ability that the witch has, you're going to lose an eye. And then it's, you know who the bad guy would be? their luck and the dice that they're rolling. It's not you. It's not you who built the suspense and who put the creature in there. Nope. It's totally on them. And that's wonderful. That's where you want to be as a DM. You don't want players blaming you. You want them to feel like, oh my goodness, this is just the world that we're inhabiting. And I just happened to roll poorly. So always reveal that. And now, now caveat, if it's a really small effect, <laughs> like Oh, you, you you suffer five points of damage. You, you probably don't need to foreshadow that. You, you don't need to let them know. You can just be like, oh, uh, you you saved yourself a little bit of life. You, those, uh, that, you know, that witch's touch, um, you kind of feel uh, a little bit of like heat around the spot that she touched, but, but it goes away. You know, you can, you can downplay that and you don't really have to say what would have happened, right? Um, but with the big things, don't miss out on that. Now, kind of going along with that idea of big versus small, saving throws, honestly, uh, should have consequences. Um, I think that we all worry about upsetting our players. We worry about uh, doing too much to, the, to a character that they care about, or, or even them feeling like it's unfair or that they can't get ahead in the way that they want to in a D&D game. Uh, I understand that totally empathize. However, as a DM, your role is definitely to, 
you know, throw some pretty big stumbling blocks in their way, right? So like if they're in the middle of a dungeon, yeah, you can kind of wait until uh, until they get through all the way through until they're fighting the Minotaur at the end to do like a lot of the long lasting or really serious saving throws. You can do that. I honestly think that you shouldn't. I think that throughout the journey, you should have random serious saving throws that that can seriously affect how they play and it can affect, you know, the story of their character, right? Losing an eye would be huge. Losing an arm, uh, going temporarily insane or losing a memory of a loved one because they failed like a, a wisdom saving throw, right? Whatever it is, you have so many opportunities to, you know, take something from just being a pure numbers game uh, where it's like, oh, you know, their health is getting chipped away as they go down this journey. Instead, it's like, oh, yeah, their health's going down, but they're different, like with a with a capital D different uh, because they've, you know, they've succeeded or failed these saving throws. Um, so honestly, don't shy away from doing big ones. And I would say if a journey feels monotonous, uh, put some in. Add some where, where you weren't planning to initially. Add some serious saving throws. Hello, this is Tanner, and I wanted to introduce you to the character I'm playing for our live play D&D campaign on the Pact and Boon podcast. His name is Wolfgang Kainstotter. He's a dampier, meaning his father was a vampire and his mother was a human. He was raised in a noble family of vampires that specializes in providing mercenaries for both nobles and criminals, which is where he learned his skills to become a ranger, at least when he wasn't being bullied by his half-siblings. All that changed, of course, when he got sent to the Nine Hells of Calignos, where our story begins. If you'd like to follow along with our adventures, please check out our new live play podcast, Pact and Boon, when it comes out this Friday, the 5th of April, 2024. Go to com forward slash Pact N Boon to get more info. We are so excited to share our adventures with you. Um, and so I think that if you just add that magnitude and also build up the importance of, of the saving throw, then players are already going to feel so much more drama. And beyond that, they're going to see, you know, story opportunities when they do fail. Now, when you do have such big consequences, and if you throw them in more often than you currently are, um, which I recommend, this is actually an opportunity. You don't want to give players such a harsh uh, thing. Uh, well, sometimes you can, but but oftentimes you can make players feel better about you like hitting them hard with the consequences of uh, failing a saving throw. You can kind of justify that by having the player by giving the player hope that they can cure whatever happened to them or they can fix it right uh that might mean that they go to a different town or they need to find a certain npc or an item either way you've just added kind of a rich you know patch to the tapestry of that character's story um so whenever you do give those big consequences also give a little bit of sweet along with that sour by giving them options or, you know, listening to them when they are trying to think of ways to, to resolve it, right? 
Um, now they might not be able to do that immediately. And sometimes that's really fun because they have to finish the dungeon, uh, with, you know, without a leg or something. Um, but it's a wonderful story and, and behind the scenes, you can kind of be easier on that player because, you know, their characters have a hard time and you kind of want them to survive so that they have that story of like, Hey, oh my goodness, I was missing a leg. Couldn't move worth beans. My, you know, my movement speed was cut down to five feet per turn. Right. Um, maybe 10 if the player found like a, a cane or something and, and, and I still lived, right. Can you see how exciting that would be? Uh, so don't squander the opportunities of, you know, making serious saving throws, uh, with some hope, of course, and, and just holding through with that. Um, now in terms of planning, uh, a, a good trap or spell, um, or curse that requires a saving throw, you want to keep your players, uh, like classes in mind and their party composition, uh, especially when it comes to how you deliver these traps. Uh, I say this because sometimes, you know, players come to expect it where it's like, oh, we see a bridge. We see that there it's rickety. I'm, I'm going to send the rogue because they got dexterity for days and we're expecting a dexterity saving throw as a board snaps beneath them, right? It, pl players are smart. They understand what you're trying to do. So, so mix it up. Think about different types of perils. So if you're a wizard, all of a sudden you go to the mysterious library and, oh, there's a tome like on a pedestal uh, and it looks super magical. Uh, who's going to probably open that? The wizard. The wizard goes up, opens it. Oh my goodness. The clasp concealed a poison mist. Now, you know who's not great with constitution? Wizards. <laughs> so with that in mind, you know, a poison you know, constitution saving throw for poison, is it right what you want? You know, it's not going to uh, always fail because you planned ahead, right? Now, on the other hand, if a player is having a hard time, uh, it might be nice to do an area spell from a bad guy that, you know, oh, the other players who've been doing okay until now, they fail, but that player is particularly okay at it because they have proficiency in that specific saving throw. You know, you, you can play both both sides, but but you especially want to throw curveballs at people depending on their class. Like another example, a paladin, right? Usually they would be the tank of the party. Maybe they go in first um, and, you know, and then as they're going into a room, oh my goodness, they glance at a giant map uh, of the universe on the wall. And something about that map is so overwhelming for them that it literally, and magical, that it kind of breaks their mind. Intelligent saving throw, which once again, they are not proficient in. So keep this in mind. You have a lot of opportunity to throw different, you know, types of saving throws at the people who may not typically expect to face them. Um, and you can give such fun and interesting consequences so that the players find them interesting too, right? Now, Paladin, if they, like, let's say it's that situation, they look at a map of the universe, something about that makes them roll an intelligent saving throw and they fail. What if they were to like go temporarily insane? Or what if they were to become mute because they were just astounded 
into, you know, just being unable to speak for a certain period of time. Um, wouldn't that be just amazing? You know, the, the brash, very talkative, very heroic, uh, paladin who always, you know, I think we all know who I'm talking about. The person who always likes to kind of be the hero, the protagonist of the party. Suddenly they can't talk because of a specific saving throw that they weren't expecting. Um, and it's not terrible because it's like, oh, you didn't make it so that they lost half their strength, which just feels like a bully move. But instead, you're like, hey, you can't you can't talk, so you can't communicate. Oh, that, that's hilarious, you know? <laughs> so I think that there's so many opportunities here. Um, and the great thing is, like, I'm talking a lot about, like, maybe you're looking at all of this and be like, oh, man, Tanner, there's like, <laughs> you're really wanting us to just lay into our players here. Uh, kind of, yeah, I, I do. Uh, because I think that hardship can be so fun if you just present it the right way, right? If you present it in a way that isn't just like, oh man, it's basically like your three levels earlier because, uh, because I cut you know your stats down by half. That that's not fun. And saving th saving throws should be fun, and consequences should be fun in their own way, even if it makes it more difficult. Um, and that's why I think that. If you try and do more types of saving throws with more types of consequences, you're going to have a really fun time and you're going to make it really interesting for your players. Uh, a great game for this uh, is if you know the kind of Call of Cthulhu um, like tabletop game, uh, I, I believe it's Call of Cthulhu. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, that system, you do a lot of psychological, you know, essentially saving throws, right? Uh, or sanity roles where, where essentially when, when a character faces something so unreal or difficult or brutal, that could be violence, that could be otherworldly stuff, that could be, you know, something they're just not prepared for, uh, whatever it is, they have to roll a sanity roll for, and that can have like effects on, on their other play styles and also on their relationships and you know as i've learned more about that system i've just realized you know it's such a good idea because we all want our players to embody their characters and to kind of speak to what the the characters are thinking about right but how many times does that actually have an effect you know or how many times have you actually used like a saving throw to induce the player getting into a character's head. Now, if they if they're failing more wisdom or charisma or intelligence saving throws, isn't that such an interesting time to be like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the effect of failing. Uh, what's going through your player's mind, or what has changed within it? Uh, and and I think that that's such a compelling story device. Uh, so you know, I hope you've enjoyed this kind of going back to basics uh, that I've done today. And and I really hope that you take the opportunity to make saving throws uh, a kind of saving grace for your, your campaign. I hope you liked that little mini pun that I threw in there because I'm very proud of it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I hope that you have a wonderful time with your players, that you have them roll some very exciting saving throws in the near future. And until next time. Let's roll initiative.
Do you love these podcast episodes but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that, frankly, no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week.